Hello, my name is Ho Jun Yoon. You're listening to Medicine on the Way. It is July 2013, and today's topic is sarcoidosis. Sarcoidosis is an inflammatory disease with the presence of non-cassiating granuloma. You know what an inflammation is. Then, what does it mean by non-cassiating, and what is granuloma? Granuloma is a collection of macrophages. Macrophages come in response to the antigen of any foreign substance. They fail to eliminate this foreign body, and more macrophages get recruited. The macrophages become tightly bound to each other, forming a collection or a granuloma. Some clinicians use the word granuloma to describe just a nodule. However, the precise pathologic definition of granuloma is a collection of macrophages. When there is necrosis or dead cells in the collection of macrophages, we call it cassiating. The word cassiation means turning to cheese. So you can picture necrosis or dead cells that look somewhat like cheese inside granuloma. Why is it important to know if there is necrosis or cheese inside granuloma? Because necrosis indicates that an infection is the cause of formation of that granuloma. A common example is tuberculosis. Granuloma in tuberculosis is described cassiating. However, in sarcoidosis, granuloma is non-cassiating. In fact, we don't know what is causing the formation of granuloma in sarcoidosis. Sarcoidosis affects multi-system. Two or more organs tend to be affected before sarcoidosis is diagnosed. The lungs are most commonly affected, and other organs such as the liver, skin, and eye can be affected as well. There are some thoughts about the cause of sarcoidosis. Propionibacter acne have been found in the lymph nodes of the patients with sarcoidosis. Mycobacterial protein has been shown in the granuloma of some sarcoidosis. However, like I mentioned before, we don't know exactly what is triggering the inflammation in sarcoidosis. The suggested mechanism of sarcoidosis involves human leukocyte antigen and CD4 complex that are presented by antigen-presenting cells and T cells. Macrophage and helper T cell clusters are formed as a result of the complex, and cytokines are finally released. Sarcoidosis is prevalent in northern European whites and North American blacks. Women are more commonly affected than men, and onset of disease is usually in 30s or 40s. And it is rare to see someone with sarcoidosis under the age of 18. Most cases of sarcoidosis are sporadic, but about 5% is known to be familiar. 
Respiratory symptoms are most commonly shown, and they are cough and dyspnea. The lungs are involved、uh, more than ninety percent cases of sarcoidosis. Chest X-ray is the most commonly used imaging studies to detect lung diseases, and it typically shows bilateral helar adenopathy. Sarcoidosis can be categorized into four stages based on the extent of the disease in the chest. Stage one only has helar adenopathy. Stage two has lung infiltrates plus adenopathy. Stage three has only lung infiltrates. Stage four has fibrosis. To evaluate the involvement of the interstitial layer of the lungs, we can order CT scan or the diffusion of carbon monoxide test. The diffusion of carbon monoxide is the most sensitive test for an interstitial lung disease. Reduced lung volumes demonstrate the restrictive nature of sarcoidosis. Some patients may present with an obstructive symptom such as cough. This can be tested by measuring the forced vital vital capacity expired in one second. In this type of patient. Traditional bronchodilators may be the only treatment needed. Otherwise, high-dose inhaled glucocorticoids should be considered. For those with fibrosis from severe sarcoidosis in the lungs, pulmonary hypertensions are usually expected. Skin and eye are the second most common organs that are affected by sarcoidosis. Typical findings include erythema nodosum, maculopapular lesions, subcutaneous nodules, keloid formation, and pigmentation changes. A term "lupus perineal" describes these skin lesions on the bridge of the nose and the cheek, and this is diagnostic for a chronic sarcoidosis. Anterior uveitis, retinitis. And pars planitis are commonly shown with eyes. Blindness can occur, so it is very important that all patients get regular eye exam every year. When sarcoidosis affects the nervous system, we call it neurosarcoidosis. Sarcoidosis affects any part of nervous system, including both the central and peripheral nervous system. The common presentations include cranial nerve impairment, peripheral neuropathy, myelopathy, basilar meningitis, and seizures. Granuloma can be seen by MRI with gadolinium, which enhances the space-occupying lesions. CSF shows lymphocytic meningitis with small increase of protein level. Sarcoidosis granuloma can be also found in the liver, spleen, heart, bone marrow, muscles, bones, and parotid glands. There is one more thing that I want to note, and that is something called Lofgren's syndrome. Lofgren's syndrome is consisted of helar adenopathy, uveitis. And erythema nodosum. Majority people with Lofgren syndrome shows very good prognosis. 
There seems some associations between Lofgren syndrome and human leukocyte antigen DRB103. As a reminder, it is the molecule on the antigen-presenting cell that attaches to the receptor of T cells. There are some typical findings from lab tests in sarcoidosis. Erythrocyte sedimentation rate is increased because of the inflammation. Lymphocytes become low, so we call it lymphopenia. This is because the lymphocytes are sequestrated into the inflammatory site of sarcoidosis. Angiotensin-converting enzyme levels are elevated in 40 to 80% patients. However, angiotensin-converting enzyme is not sensitive or specific uh, enough since the sensitivity or specificity sometimes go down to 20% with chronic sarcoidosis. Small portions of patients show hypercalcemia or increased calcium level in serum with or without hypercalciuria or increased calcium in urine. This is because sarcoidosis granuloma produces 125-dihydroxyvitamin D. 125-dihydroxyvitamin D increases intestinal absorption of calcium. Serum calcium level increases and parathyroid hormone is suppressed as a result. Chest X-ray is useful to categorize sarcoidosis into four stages as we discussed above. In sarcoidosis, the size of adenopathy tends to be more than 2 cm in the short axis. CT scan is ordered to evaluate interstitial disease. The carbon monoxide test and forced vital capacity expired in one second are used to assess the restrictive and obstructive lung disease. Sarcoidosis is diagnosed with histologic finding of non-cassiating granuloma when there is no other alternative diagnosis. When there are clinical signs and symptoms that make you suspect sarcoidosis, you can order a biopsy to the organs that are affected by sarcoidosis. Because of high rate of lung involvement in sarcoidosis, bronchoscopy may be needed with a bronchial biopsy, transbronchial biopsy, or transbronchial needle aspiration. If the biopsy results come negative, but you still have high suspicions for sarcoidosis, you can support your thoughts with other tests as we just discussed. High angiotensin-converting enzyme test, increased lymphocyte counts from bronchoalveolar lavage fluid, and CD4 over CD8 cell ratio more than 3.5 in bronchoalveolar lavage fluid may support your suspicions for sarcoidosis. A gallium scan test can be ordered to locate the site under active inflammation. Increased activity noted in parotid and lacrimal glands are called pandocyne. Increased activity in the right paratracheal and left healer are called lambdocyne. Clinical findings once again, uveitis, 
hypercalcemia, renal stones because of hypercalciuria, erythema nodosum, and facial nerve paralysis are all supportive to diagnosis of sarcoidosis. Nevertheless, definitive diagnosis is still made based on the histologic examination. Other tests that I just mentioned only support your thoughts and argument for sarcoidosis. Sarcoidosis is generally treated with prednisone. When only a single organ is affected, for instance, a localized skin lesion, topical glucocorticoid can be considered. Systemic glucocorticoid is indicated for constitutional symptoms including neurosarcoidosis, cardiac conduction impairment, uveitis, hypercalcemia, or arthritis. Glucocorticoid therapy is given in general for months to years. For patients who cannot tolerate glucocorticoid therapy, steroid-sparing alternatives may be considered. Hydroxychloroquine or minocycline are available for skin lesions. Methotrexate, azathioprine, and cyclophosphamide are also there for the pulmonary symptoms of sarcoidosis. Prognosis is good just with healer adenopathy or erythema nodosum. Prognosis is bad with extensive sarcoidosis in lung parenchyma or elevated right atrial pressure. Sarcoidosis can be fatal with complications such as pulmonary fibrosis, mycetoma, or cardiac dysrhythmias. Okay, this is it for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe. This is Medicine on the Way.